Hello and welcome to Vet Chloe on the Road. Insights from real people making positive change for our planet. I am Chloe, a veterinarian who has an interest in wildlife and all things environmental. And this is a show for people who would like to connect, learn, and prioritize caring for our beautiful green and blue world. Come join me as I travel around Australia in my van, Layla. Let's share all things conservation and meet all the inspiring environmental heroes along the way. And on today's episode, listen in as myself and Alexandra Orzani Blekic, a good vet friend of mine, debrief on our shared experience of hiking the Three Capes Track and the Overland Track in Tasmania. Certainly a huge highlight of my lap of Oz adventures. We did the Three Capes Track first, which is in South Tasmania by Port Arthur, and is all about dramatic coastal cliffs, ancient dolerite volcanic geology, and habitats skirting the Southern Ocean. While the Overland Track hailed as one of the great multi-day hikes in the world, is up north by Cradle Mountain, and is set in a mountainous and rugged glaciated landscape of also many varied habitats. There you will find mountains, lakes, rainforests, waterfalls, moorlands, and alpine heath, to name a few. Our friend Mickey was a part of our crew for both hikes, and my brother Oliver joined us for the Overland. The Overland Track was more of a challenge where we carried all we needed of about 20 kilos in our packs of food for eight days, tent, gas stove, sleeping bags, sleeping mat, and clothes for all weather conditions. We had a blizzard on day one. So we could top up on water each day at the different huts and that made things easier there. Carried about two liters on us each day. And we averaged around 16 and a half kilometers per day the longest being 24 Ks, and we totaled 130 plus Ks in eight days, climbing three summits along the way. The highest being the highest peak in Tasmania, which is Mount Ossa at 1,617 meters. You will find lots of pics, which are better than words ever could be in describing the incredible beauty on my recent Instagram posts. Our hiking ended about two weeks ago, and in this conversation, I will also be asking and learning more on Zani's unique expertise when it comes to animal rehabilitation. Find out what this involves. She is incredibly talented in this field, and I want to share her insights with you. Listen in as we have a chat the morning after our great and memorable Overland Track hike came to an end on the peaceful shores of Lake Sinclair in beautiful Tasmania. So welcome, Zanny, great friend, fellow adventurer and colleague. How are you? I'm well, thank you. <laughs> so probably to start off with today's podcast, we have just completed Overland. We finished that yesterday. Can you tell listeners what that was? <laughs> Long and arduous. Um, it was, yeah, the Overland track. So it's, a, I guess, a very beautiful strip of... Um, Australia to mm. walk across. Um, I certainly felt like I was in another country for most of the walk. It was mm. um, unlike other parts of Australia that I had experienced. So, yeah, it was um, refreshing, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end. Um, yeah. And we trotted up the Ks, didn't we? So We did. Yeah, averaging about 16.5 Ks a day, did well over 130. Really, wow. Yeah, for eight days carrying everything, yeah. packs and all. Um, so thank you, Zanny, for um, being the idea. <laughs> List is to prove it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Zanny, before was showing me her feet, she's got an extra little toe on the left-hand side. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was really very fabulous, wasn't it? And it was. 
lots of um, high summits and greenery, rainforests, waterfalls. Um, a little bit of everything. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Um, and actually, we had also done the hike, the Three Capes, down south in Tasmania. We had um, the peninsula. <laughs> I think one of my highlights was actually when that possum Barry visited us the <laughs> the first night. Oh, Barry! <laughs> Barry wouldn't take no for an answer. Exactly. Oh. It was a great way to actually get quite acquainted to um, wildlife. You know, as vets, we do see wildlife coming in. Um, to our different practices, but it was wonderful to see them. And I um, applaud his persistence. He, well, yeah, yeah, he was trying to get into our sleeping bags yeah. when we attempted to sleep under the stars. <laughs> and he really did get the final say because then he um, defecated on the breakfast table. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. He did. <laughs> you know what? Possums, um, they do so well here in Australia because they adapt to humans. They even seek out sort of human... And manipulate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We equal food. Um, so any highlights from the Overland um, and would you recommend it to people and any advice, any, any <laughs> thoughts, broad questions there, but now that I'm, I'm no longer an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> so amateur. Um, <laughs> I would definitely recommend it to anyone. I think uh, we're very lucky to be able to um, get out there and see what beauty we have. Oh, bumblebee. Bumblebee. Yay. Can we all hear that? These bumblebees are amazing. They're really fat. He's actually come straight to the speaker. <laughs> I think he was disgusted in his... Now he's got body image. <laughs> You're not fat, buddy. Um, what were we saying? So, you know, do, would you recommend it? Yes, absolutely. I would. I think um, it was it was really wonderful, and I think it's really nice that we have access to it. Um, I was really impressed that everyone seemed to be very mindful and... Um, of the environment and preservation mm. along the way, um, you know, having to carry eight days worth of your rubbish with you, mm -hmm. uh, which also I think, you know, you sort of look at, well, how much do I use in this consumer world that I live in? Yeah. So it was interesting to be able to be held accountable for that at the end of the week. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, Zanny's rucksack was the most inspiring out of anybody's. <laughs> she had a, to last. <laughs> yeah, she had an Australian-made rucksack. No, I figure you should plug them. They're really nice guys. They're yeah. A independent camp shop in Katoomba. Oh, yeah, I mentioned them. What's the name? Yeah, Is Sum it? Summit Gear. Summit Gear, yeah. yeah. So it was tailor-made to oh, specification it, and you know Zanny was tough and strong <laughs> <laughs> Zanny was conscientious about her um you know rubbish sort of bought in bulk and, and pared it down and I also had know, lots of yeah. natural products actually Zanny's mosquito repellent was <laughs> the favorite of anyone's and it was yeah. essential so oils. market yeah that was what was it beauty and the bees beauty and the bees we actually liked recommend. it so much we're gonna target it when we're next back in Hobart. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, Zenny was a wonderful companion to have on this trip because, oh, she, oh yeah, she just is, you know, she just, um, she I is had a conservationist. I had the repellent. <laughs> she had the repellent. <laughs> I had bug repellent. Everybody loves me. <laughs> Very popular. Um, but, you know, it's just wonderful to get out there. We're actually just easing ourselves back into the real world. We're about to take a three-hour bus back to our vehicle. Part doesn't want to. If I didn't yeah. have so many blisters, I think I would just, like, turn around and walk back the other way. Yeah, it is like its own little world out there. I kind of miss those, like, freeze <laughs> immersions <laughs> into freezing cold water. And um, Yes, in the evening we would. Yeah, waking up with the light, going to bed with the light. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. And lots of other wonderful people. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the people on the way were, it was interesting, wasn't it? All sorts of people. Yeah. Um, and a lot of really inspiring people and people that just had an amazing story. Yeah. Um, that I don't think I would have been able to share with other humans, even in a city where you've got lots of humans. Sometimes that's where you're most lonely, isn't it? Yeah. So I think it was really lovely um, yeah. to be able to share their experience and, and help them through as well, because some people yeah. were doing it pretty tough yep <laughs> sharing <Definitely>. rations <laughs> trading <laughs> and um zanny along with a couple of um lovely girls um climbing mount Ossa, which yes. is the highest point in her yes. tasmania bonded over the yes I got, to pre- I got to pretend that i knew what i was doing because someone had to be the adult <laughs> they're all a bit height scared um including <laughs> zanny but she um me what no at the top you guys are besties so you know things like that um i think are very unique and People came from all walks of life, all yeah. age group, genders, backgrounds, nationalities. You know, I've got two more people I can have a beer with if I ever end up in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People were very um, warm and friendly and considerate. Such mm. simple living. What I liked about it was um, got you back to basics. Yeah. Um, I realized sort of it, it's really basic. I just need shelter, warmth, food, companionship, bit of a challenge, exercise. Look, you That's know, I, I reckon I could actually put food further down the list. The companionship <laughs> was just something that was really, um, really nice, wasn't it? Just yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Even and it was people that were like-minded absolutely yeah. and it was nice because you know at certain times we had different paces and we would stretch out on the trail you got some alone time you had some gathered together time um we were nice and cohesive our group of four yeah i think that was that's really important i think if you are going in a group isn't it because sometimes you do need that alone time or you just want to experience something of your you know by yourself mm, um, yeah everyone has different I guess goals, limits, and aspirations. So some things like you got to do it for yourself. Mm. Um, having a group that are really able to sort of, you know, someone wants to drag back, that's cool. But then have meet up points and be safe and mm-hmm. yeah, all that stuff was cool-y. really nice. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that was our call. Obviously, a lot longer and higher sound, and it does echo through the woods. And yep, and and what's the purpose? Explain. It was, and charms the birds. It on does. Some occasions. Um, it's just a great way to um, kind of know how distant in earshot yeah. everyone is. Yeah, um, and responding. just to make sure that the group are, I guess, kind of together. Yeah, um, yeah. In, within Kui, exactly. <laughs> and you know, you are a hiker. Um, can you tell us a bit about where you live and the hiking you do there? Sure. I live in the beautiful Blue Mountains. Um, and in New South Wales, west of yes. Sydney. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's about an hour and 45 west of Sydney. It's inland. It's called the Blue Mountains due to the um, the vapour from the eucalypt trees mm. creates a blue, blue colour. So when you're looking out at the lookouts, um, certainly the mm. mountains actually appear blue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of ended up there by accident and it charmed me and I'm not a person that stays in one spot for very long, but Mm. the mountains have sort of, it's a little bit of my heart will stay in the mountains, whether I leave or not. I think, um, I've really embraced being there and it's, it's quite a magical place to be. So if anyone ever finds their way there, I would strongly recommend you stop by and enjoy some of the beauty that is there, some of the magic. Because people often think... Sydney beaches sun, but there's also mountain snow and cold. And snow and cold. Yeah, the other the other way. So it really is um well positioned and Zanny and I reconnected a couple of years ago when I did a locum placement back in the area and we did some hikes together and it's wonderful how that 
a hiking buddy because yeah. um, we can go on trips like this and I'm sure there'll be many more um, I which so. I look forward to. In fact, seeing a lot of the older people out on the trail, I found quite inspiring because uh, I guess, you know, you always think of your future limitations and mm. I guess as humans we're always lim- limiting ourselves rather than expanding, aren't we? So it was nice and I just sort of thought, wow, I hope hope I'm still doing this then. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't doubt it. I really yeah. don't. Yeah, it seems like a bit of a lifestyle for you and, yeah. you know, I would really encourage people to get more out in nature and get offline, you know? We've been yeah. um, out of reception for over a week and it's it's, it's healthy to really Yeah, set. I think it's that, like, mental and physical um, rescue, really, getting out there mm. um, in the wilderness for a little bit, get yeah. a little bit of wilderness over you. Yeah, and it's a great way to remind ourselves that we're just animals on this planet. You yeah, know? we are. <laughs> Maybe not the smartest. <laughs> And, you know, it is actually, I find it kind of confronting, even just um, popping on the telly last night, just being like, oh, yeah, well, I don't own a television, so for me, I can shut that out reasonably easily. Yeah, um, likewise, good old Layla, you know, Um, looking forward to getting back into her. Um, But yeah, it was a wonderful experience, and we both strongly recommend, don't we? Absolutely. Get out there, see it for yourself. Climb a few mountains, even if you scared of yeah. heights. Yeah, and it is... Be one- careful. Be careful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the... I accept o- no responsibility. <laughs> the Overland Track here in Tasmania is one of the world's most famous multi-day walking adventures you can do. So, yeah, yeah definitely do it. And probably at this point of the interview, I will segue into what you personally do, what I've always been interested, because you are... In- involved um, in animal rehabilitation. But before I get there, can I ask, um, can you tell us a bit about your professional background in general? Um, sure. So I'm a veterinarian, as you know. <laughs> um, so I actually, I started out um, working in human allied health services uh, to begin with after I left high school. What does um, allied health mean? Like- so allied health would include sort of um, physio, OTs, occupational therapists. Um, oh, okay. Um, all of your, I guess, not not doctors or hospital, but, um, you know, the allied health services that will assist these people mm-hmm. in their um, management plans. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I... I didn't really know what I wanted to do after high school, so spent a little bit of time um, thinking about that, I guess. And yeah. I did. Then went to college, and um, from college they took us to the anatomy labs mm. at the university, and um, I I was really fascinated by form and function, mm. um, and I just knew that I wanted to do university, so I ended up. Um, doing a medical science degree, which allowed me to do a whole range of different topics of interest. So certainly anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, bioinformatics, biochem, mm. um, and sort of meld all those things together. And then at the end of it, I guess I sort of realized that I'd done a collection of really interesting things that may not get me a job. <laughs> um, it's mainly used as pre-med. So yes. um, I had considered whether I might like going into medicine mm-hmm. after completing it. Um, I then ended up getting a job as an animal ambulance driver for RSPCA um, in the school holidays and I applied for vet and just did it so most vets I think have that story of like a lifetime passion for Mm -hmm. animals and I think I've had a lifetime passion for animals but I never once thought that I could be a vet so Mm. I kind of fell into it a bit so I haven't got as wonderful story. And that's when we crossed paths um, at Sydney Uni Mm -hmm. um, because you were also 2006 
Yeah, um, it would have been sometime first year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think just think it's a nice organic story, yours, and you've just got a lot of experience behind you. Um, so what happened after vet? Um, we've been. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. I survived. Um, um, <laughs> yep. And you found yourself sort of going back to the physio of the human side because you were also a massage therapist yeah so I did a health science diploma which at the time you could major in different areas so either pathology and work in a laboratory um, or you could major in massage therapy yeah um, so I did do that um, and I did a bit of exercise physiology subjects and things like that which sort of got me interested in doing the med science degree mm. um, so I guess I was just wandering around I've always loved to learn I, and yeah. I, I, the day I stopped learning I don't even know that that would probably <laughs> be my last day on this earth um, so yeah for me it was just about um, learning and engaging um, and whatever felt right along the way so I, I guess I've done a, a lot of yeah a collection of undergraduates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was great to see you even on this trip because you do have a great skill there with, uh, you know, helping people. <laughs> helping their... the maimed. <laughs> people had sore calves and shoulders and, you know, Zanny got right in there. And, yeah, I think you have Stick a... Stick an elbow in. Yeah, you've got, you've got a very good talent um, <laughs> with that. I think you really do have a great skill. And I actually don't know if you remember, but um, when we were working together uh, a couple of years ago for that locum I did, uh, we were in the x-ray room, there was a dog there, and you were actually showing me what you do for finding where soreness is in an animal. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And I remember you were really good with your, your hands and your dexterity and how you could feel, and you were talking me through what you were doing. Um, but, yeah, can you tell us a bit more about how it is to work with animals that can't talk to you and, and rehab, because that's something... You don't yeah, I it. think one of the things about the vocation just in general, and certainly a lot of the uh, courses that I've done incorporate human professionals, so physios, chiros, osteopaths and things like that. And I think that probably anyone from any of those professions would agree that anyone can learn these things um, and it's great to have more people learning these things. But I think there's when you're working in this area, there's a baseline talent. Some people mm. will have some talent and some people won't. Mm. Mm. Um, and it tends to be the people that just have that natural talent. Everyone has a sense that's a bit better than the other. Mm -hmm. um, and I find I do close my eyes a lot. So, you know, you really just want to hone in, focus on, on what you're actually feeling. Yeah. So it's just and I remember we had the lights off. We were kind of, it was quiet. Like, so, you know, it, it was a, more about feeling. And, yeah. um, you know, sometimes that um, with all these, with the development of, tests and diagnostics and monitors sometimes you know just good old touch bringing subjectivity into something scientific can always cause i think a little bit of chaos because you've got two different sort of trains of thought um just being able to accept them mm. i guess is because you might feel something someone else can't um yeah I that's subjectivity you mean yeah yeah there's a lot of subjectivity and and there's not necessarily um you know a clear cut you can't just see. often vets are like well show me a paper that proves that yeah, like, yeah. Well, where's the number <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how do I create a, a paper that proves that for you? Um, whereas the, the main difference, I think, with a lot of these vocations is this outcome-oriented. So you're going to do yeah. well, you're going to progress well in that career if people are feeling better, if people, you know, yeah. if you're fixing people, then they that that's what they want, that's what yeah. they pay you for. And they don't really care what piece of paper you have as and long I, as you're doing Yeah, the, the and task. I guess for you, it's like talking to the owners and watching the animal to see if they're feeling better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not getting 
the animal verbalizing that they feel so much better. Well, you better. say that, but they do, they do. And I think it's about picking up on those little cues. Um, and I think one thing that when you're working with other vets that we're just not taught it at vet school, um, and less is more, less mm. is always more with this. So yeah. I think we tend to go in straight with our fingertips and, um, you know, we don't think about how does this feel for the other person. Mm, yeah. So, um, you know, generally speaking, any patient, animal patient or human patient that I've got, like the first thing you want to do is you want to make them feel good. Mm-hmm. So if you make them feel good, then they'll relax and they'll show you where yeah. you know, you'll be able to find where you need to work. Yeah, then you can feel the muscles better and yeah. things like this. Yeah. So what did it involve to, because um, what's your title, an animal? So the title is an interesting um, <laughs> an interesting thing uh, because uh, obviously physiotherapy is a respected profession and they've worked hard to get their title. Yeah. So there's a bit of conflict between, well, what can we call ourselves? If you're a physio that's trained in animals, should you be able to call yourself a veterinary physio? Um, so the vets are sort of like, no, no, we'd like to keep the word veterinary protected for us because it's confusing if you're just Mm. a general public um, you're not going to know the difference you hear veterinary you're going to assume they're a vet yes Um, so being respectful we don't call ourselves veterinary physios either because we're not physios we're vets Um, so we've created a sort of blanket term which we decided would be physical rehabilitation because it kind of covers everything it's a nice way to to sort of inc- be inclusive of all the professions that contribute yeah. to this area. Um, so you it, phys- can get, get, it can get strange sometimes yeah. when you say animal rehab. It's like... Yeah. yeah so. so, yeah, would you be a, an, an animal physical rehabilitator? Or what's the, well, what's the know, word for the individual? Tricky, doesn't it, it does. But then you do get the occasional people just blank staring like, rehab? What? Like, they're addicted to schmackos. Like, <laughs> what kind of rehab? Like, yeah, man, I don't know what they're putting in the schmackers nowadays. <laughs> so, you know, once you did, um, you know, our degree as a vet, you then did extra studies um yeah, so was I that a year or two, or how did that work? Uh, well, you, a lot of this study that's not sort of grad dip or formalised. I mean, it was one of those race approved. Um, so they're short courses. They're run by people that have worked within the industry a long mm. time. Um, but you know, it's only just become a specialty with sports medicine and and, and rehab therapy. Yep. So um, they were just uh, certifications, which I did over about a twelve month period and then they get you to go out and work for about 12 months and then you can go back and do your Mm. advanced ones did you go overseas for that i did yeah to the u.s um there is to complete it or just to do some yeah they're starting to run courses in australia as well which is great there's not many in australia uh no not really um Mm. i think there's a lot of people uh that have just been you know, quite talented at doing these things that have been doing it a long time. So there's people around, but it hasn't really been formalised. I think the main thing is that it hasn't been embraced yet um, Mm. into the sort of vet profession. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I do with my business is try to actually go out to vet practices to teach the, you know, often there'll be a nurse that's really keen at the practice. Yeah. Um, and you can teach them so much that they can be doing for their patients post-operatively. Yeah. Um, and also teaching the client what they can be doing at home because yeah. what they do every day is going to be way uh, way more helpful than what I might do every one once or twice a week. Um, yes. And there's so many factors involved there. Can they afford to see me once a week? week yeah um, you know wouldn't it be great if they could see me every day for two weeks after the surgery that'd be great but yeah. that's not feasible so when you have a, uh, some really compliant or cluey owners you can teach them to do a lot um, yeah to help their pet and likewise um, nurses and just the whole absolutely. team in the clinic yeah so and I'd I, like to spread that knowledge through. absolutely and I guess putting it in context for people that um you know kind of wonder what post-ops I mean 
uh, animals getting a lot of injuries with their legs and orthopedic surgery is becoming a lot more common. Um, you know, yeah. do you want to explain some of the surgeries that may happen well, that you see post-op? Post-operative care, I think for me, it was just um, that I had worked in allied human services before and I can see what level of rehabilitation is just accepted basic you know the basic care you should receive after having mm. any kind of orthopedic surgery so maybe if your knees out like an acl for a human um or you know any any kind of surgery i think your brother just broke had plates in his yeah wrist, so he's going to a physio exactly yeah um and that would be your bare minimum whereas in the vet world you know where we're amputating a limb and that dog walks home the next day i think in general um, the animals don't tend to complain, they get on with life, but yeah. that doesn't mean that we can't give them a better life by, you know, either prehab, which is prior to them having the surgery, you can do work with mm. them, um, and post-op rehab yeah. Um, yeah, after the surgery. So yeah. I think being able to, I think so many vets are really willing to embrace this as something that we need to be learning, yep. but there seems to be a lot of vocational education in people that want to go out and learn, but then you've got the people that, well, I'm an ortho surgeon, I don't want to learn the rehab because I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. but I want to somehow embrace it within yep. my practice. So I've, I'm trying to create a service where I can just go out and give them what they need to know yeah. um, for some basic care or where to send their pet when yeah. when it yeah. uh, their patients when it needs because um, um, yeah even myself um, you know being a GP um, you know little dogs have um, medial patellar luxation slipping kneecaps which can get corrected um, as you said before the ACL the, the cruciate ligament the soccer player injury where that can partially or fully rupture that can get fixed um, those are becoming a lot more common those mm-hmm. surgeries and I will see them for a recheck for the bandage to be removed or sutures out and we often give them a handout on physio we demonstrate but um, what they can do um, with putting weight on that limb and mm-hmm. explaining how they can can slowly increase walks per day but I do think there can be much more improvement and that's why your business is great and what you do is great um maybe tell people about your business um give it a plug (laughs) Uh, well, I I just started a mobile service. So for me, I guess I was looking to sort of branch out and do some of this stuff to, I guess once you've been a vet for a little while, you kind of want to mix it up and do other things. Some people get their memberships. And so I, I had this skill set. Um, so I decided I would do a mobile service. So I had to think about how do I create this that other vets in my area won't see me as competition because obviously if I'm doing house calls as a vet, you know, vaccinations and um, other sort of services that they're doing then mm. they're probably not going to want to uh, refer to me so I just went to all of the local practices in my region um, told them what I was doing did a little PowerPoint slide um, on how my services might be able to help them improve the quality of care that's they great were they were receptive would, would you have like a lunch really break receptive. kind of yeah. PowerPoint with them all that's yeah. awesome um, they were all really receptive and some of them have been really good referrers so um, they, they everyone seems very open to doing it but like I said before I think some of them are like well this isn't going to be my life's work but mm. I want to know how to A, identify some of these muscular tendon yeah. sort of injuries that we never learnt about and B, know where to send them. Because they might do these big surgeries, but then they want to comfort and, and give good care to the owner and patient by saying, look, 
the amazing Zanny Blitchett down the road can help you out. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really cool niche. I think that um, the veterinary industry is becoming more holistic. I think it's really cool how it's a combo of human and um, animal doctors that yeah. did your course because sometimes it's so separate. Yeah. Um, and I did actually read that book by the super vet um, and – yeah, he was. He talks about one health. Um, his mm. idea that you know we should all be learning from each other. Um, I agree. And that sounds like a pretty cool course that you did. That that does that. I find it's always a really stimulating conversation when you meet human medicos. I I think a little while back I met an anaesthetist, and it was really cool talking to them about the mm. differences. Um, and I think we can really learn a lot from each other. Even though vet, I think sometimes we maybe for want of better words are a little more primitive in what we do compared to human medicine, but I just think there's a lot to be learnt and the discussion is, is really good to have a fresh brain that might yeah. not be in that little box yeah. to be able to help create Absolutely. new ways forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think sometimes as vets we can um, we can be quite broad with our skills and humans yeah. can be so specific. We can really learn from each other in that way. I think we often have a lack of resource too, don't we? So we, sort yeah. of, we, we do a lot more of potentially not working under pressure i guess everyone does that but um think outside being the able box do with with yeah. limited resources especially and know. telling owners look i've never done this before Absolutely. i've given it a read do you want me to give it a go and yeah. it's it's much more of a um give it a go well, regional i think that still happens to definitely extent, in my experience and owners are happy with that you yeah. know they, they they trust your kind of skill set in transferring skills in, so. yeah. yeah yeah absolutely so um you know before the 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 ultimate um question can you just talk us through i'm i'm really curious as to what happens like just the practicalities a dog trots in yeah. Um, you know, I'm used to doing physical exams, but I'm not used to sort of getting them to lie down, relax, yeah. you know, really like I'm really intrigued with that kind of idea of um, doing physio on a dog. Yeah. How, is the owner involved with stroking them or um, sometimes, sometimes how does it not. go? As a vet, you'll understand there's some of those dogs that just do better without Yes, that is true. <laughs> you know, they're clingy um, or they're protective or yeah. Yeah, um, some of them are better without, and a lot of them are able to identify if that's the case or not. Look, some just drop them down for the day. I, I sort things out as I can, give them a call when it's time to pick them up. Cool. Um, when I'm working in clinic, if I'm going around to the house, then they're always a participant. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, pretty much, I, I do a lot of work also with you know your um, cancer patients, palliative mm, care. Yeah. Um, and geriatrics so um that sort of and with the cancer patients it is the physical um rehab like their movement what or sort of cancer they've had so yeah osteosarcs yeah. might be post-operative um yeah i have treated because i also do acupuncture and stuff like that so mm. um working with some of the patients that might be on chemo um for other other sorts yeah. of cancers because you did acupuncture before no the, other way the rehab around, rehab then acupuncture yeah. and then you're yeah. looking at doing herbal right yeah <laughs> so guys zanny Fletcher, check her out me smart paws she really is so cool because she's holistic um it was actually yeah. really difficult for me because i am first and foremost i see myself as a scientist and it was really difficult for me especially doing some of the herbal stuff is letting go and sort of looking at well how how do i utilize this 
modality that doesn't yeah. have the, the language and the confirmation that I require in order to believe something. And I think I, it helped me actually working with all these physiotherapists. Mm. Um, that really, truly helped me because as a, as a scientist and a, and a veterinarian, it was like you want a diagnosis. Whereas yeah. for them, it's more about, well, where's the pain at? And the diagno- their diagnosis is different to ours. So mm. our differential would be their diagnosis. It's right. sort of, they will localize, I guess, a lesion where the pain's at, but it doesn't matter what's caused that because as long as you're fixing what's yeah. the problem. Um, so I guess that opened my mind up to a different way of thinking and being open to the fact of, you know, if something works, it works. Like, yeah. what's your intention here? What's your aim? And if your aim is just to make them feel better, then the outcome matter. orientation, yeah. yeah. Does it take time yeah. to get the results? Um, like, will you continue with a certain therapy and wait? I is do. it kind of like delayed results? Yeah, which usually, takes patience I guess and... as a very, very broad, broad way of seeing it, I guess if I had a really old animal that um, was quite debilitated or had chronic problems, I would always be really realistic. And the first thing I ever do with a client is work out what's your goal. Because unless we have the same goal, then yeah, they might cool. be thinking, you know, I've got this quadriplegic dog and I want it to walk. Yeah. So if we haven't had that conversation, <laughs> I need to be realistic. Do I think I can make that dog walk again? Because maybe I can't, but maybe I can say, well, what would give it adequate quality of life? Let's aim for those things. Um, yeah. And usually I would say, okay, this is your basic. We need at least four to six visits weekly. Yeah. Um, for this to sort of work. Whereas if you have a young, otherwise healthy healing machine of an animal um, that has an acute injury, then I might say, well, hey, you know, maybe we just need two or three visits. Let's see. And this is a temporary Um, thing. Yeah. yeah, and, And always make that, end point a reassessment rather than a cure stage because otherwise you're going to do poor yeah. treatments and they'll expect their dogs being yeah cured. so that's sort of your reassessment reevaluate but you always have them on board with what is our goal and be really clear with it yes yeah. what people have in their own mind of what they want to achieve or want you to achieve um can sometimes be quite unrealistic yeah um, yeah so it's important to have them on board the whole way yeah, yeah. no that's that's good um and, and just to clarify that the Dog or or cat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, or, or rabbit, or or yeah, maybe, absolutely. yeah, and birds, and birds. Yeah. So they're either standing or laying. It doesn't really. It depends on the animal. Yeah, look, that's a bit of a preferential thing. Um, a lot of the older vets, uh, especially from like sports areas, like horse or greyhounds, um, things like that, yeah, um, that have been working for many many years, really want the animal standing. I um, are their muscles I, engaged then? Or? They are. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes you do want um them loading Um, other times when you're working um muscles then you do want them relaxed um so i usually i'm very i try to have a method and i try to just stick to that method so that i don't miss Mm. things yeah um that's just my personality type yeah but as soon as the animal comes in i'm looking at it i'm looking at it it it's I mean, at the other end of the animal is always a human. Yeah. And you need to assess the human a little too yeah. sometimes. Yeah, how um, they're going. Yeah, well, sometimes you'll get a dog that looks like it has a lameness, but it's only when it's walking with that human. Yeah. And it's actually to do with the way the human walks or the way the human is oh. tethering that and animal. How they read from the human. Yeah, mm. as to why they're walking that way. So um, I look at, at, at the engagement factor with whatever humans brought it in. I look at, you know, observe its gait from a distance and then close up. Yeah. I will do an assessment of the animal when it's standing and then usually I will try to um, 
give it an environment where it's able to mm, relax, relax for me and do most of the work with it lying oh. down unless it doesn't want to. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, you know, I could continue on and on. <laughs> we have our bus to catch, don't we? Do, we? we do, we We're do. here on the um, edge of St. Clair we'll um, Lake. We'll take a photo. Um, but to wrap up, Zanny, yes. in context of being a vet, rehab, having just done our walk, being a hiker, all the rest of it, how do you say inspired? I knew you were going to ask this question, and I feel like it's a hard one to answer. I think, I think I keep good company. Well, I try to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. Oh well, thanks to you for having me as one of your companions. Um, do you want to expand on that, or is it simple as that? I think we make things too complicated. Let's stick. Let's stick with that. Let's stick with that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Zanny. Um, and um, guys, check out her website, um, smartpulse.com.au, is it? Or oh gosh, yeah, yeah. www.smartpulse.com. I'll have it in That's the link. <laughs> um, and hope everyone's enjoying their day. And thank you, Zanny. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed and became inspired to get out there and do some hiking in Tasmania. I really cannot recommend it enough or explore the beautiful environment near where you live. And I hope you've also learned a bit more on what animal rehabilitation involves from Zanny. It is fascinating stuff and I want to discuss more and more. Check out Zanny's website, smartpaws.com.au, which I've also left in the show notes. And if you like the show, I'll be most grateful if you could tell a friend, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. It all helps. Or follow me on Instagram at VetChloe. Although my lap of Oz is recently completed, eight plus months and over 27,000 Ks in an anti-clockwise direction, um, which on the inside lane we joke is a little of a shorter loop, uh, the travels and adventures have not ended. And no matter where I am and what I am doing, I will always share my interest in animals, wildlife, conservation and the natural world with you. Next episode, while I am vet locoming out here in the New South Wales country town of Leeton, it will just have to be a surprise, but stay tuned. There's always something of interest to report on. Till then, stay kind and I'll see you guys at the next stop. <laughs>